And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. This is your host, Lori LeBay, and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. For those of you that are new to our show, I always like to just give you a little background on who the heck we are. And bottom line, Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. And we believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, like we do here on Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, that we're going to be able to help remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help those that are diagnosed continue to live with purpose along with their care partners. Together, um, we think that's the only way we're going to have a really true understanding of the needs that our people in our community have. At our core, we also believe that collaboration is the only way we're going to win this battle against dementia, and I know it's working. Thanks to all of you and your likes and your clicks and your shares. You see, taking those few seconds to like if it's our if it's our radio show, if it's our webinars, if it's a YouTube channel, a blog, our resource directory, whatever it might be, you are sharing information with your sphere of influence. So sharing it with your LinkedIn colleagues, your Twitter tribes, your Facebook friends, your Pinterest peeps, just pushes more and more information out there to people in need. And we all know people that are in our sphere of influence but aren't ready to talk about dementia. They may not have even realized what has hit them yet or hit their family or friends. But the more information we can have out there, the easier it's going to be for them to go ahead and grab a hold. And so, again, I just want to thank you for taking that time to share um, our content and to connect people to resources like we're going to have today Um, In doing so, you got us named the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's, according to ShareCare and Dr. Oz. So that was quite a big honor for us. So again, thank you for for helping with that. I also want to let people know that um, here on Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, we like to talk to everybody. So if you're listening to the show and you have dementia, um, or maybe your loved one has dementia, Maybe you're a professional, a researcher, an advocate, um, somebody out there who's written a book, maybe a song, maybe a play, a film. We want to hear from you because it takes all of us to change our dementia care culture. And, um, and that's what it's all about. That's what we're all about here is just lifting everyone's voices and trying to get information into enough people's hands to make a difference, into Uh, shift things from crisis to comfort. I'd like to give a shout out before I introduce our guest today to the um, Call Alert Center, which is a wonderful, wonderful technology that is very inexpensive to use, um, but you can register your loved one if you think they might go missing. And it's good for a year. If they would, you call them within 10 minutes. There's a flyer out. um, They'll push it out to social media, as can you. Um, They'll work with the police department. It's pretty fantastic. And then people are always asking me about memory cafes and how do they find them. There's a great resource on our our, our kind of our mothership, alzheimerspeaks.com. Just go to the tab that says initiatives and projects and scroll down till you see um, memory and Alzheimer's cafes. You'll be able to read a little bit about their history And then you'll see a big kind of pink-purple icon um, that says uh, Memory Cafe Directory, which actually isn't ours. It's provided by Calendar Cards, and um, they have just, it's the easiest way that I have found out there to search for a Memory Cafe. And if you have one and you want it registered, there's no cost to that either. So let me introduce our guest today. Um, Our title is Dementia Raw, and it's training that's unscripted, unconventional, and unapologetic. And I just love love that title. Um, We all know that caring for somebody with dementia 
or other types of brain conditions can be really a unique set of challenges. And Tammy Newbin and Kathy Braxton of Silver Dawn Training Institute equip um, professionals and loved ones with a new way to communicate with these individuals. They use empathy and improv in this new method called Dementia Raw. So welcome, Tammy. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much for having us on. Great. We're excited to be here. Wonderful. And Kathy, thank you for being with us as well. We really appreciate you taking the time. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Well, one of the questions I always like to ask our guests um, kind of before we get into the meat of the matter is, have you, and I'm going to start this with Tammy, um, have you experienced dementia in your own family or your own circle of friends? You know, that, that's an interesting question, and I get asked that all the time. Um, I have actually been very fortunate that within my sphere of um, family and friends, we have not experienced dementia. I have worked in the, the industry for, um, I used to say over 10 years, but I have to now say over 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I've, in my day-to-day life in this industry, I've, I've met the challenges of working with people with dementia and worked with families and trying to help them to understand, you know, different ways to communicate with the person that they love. So, um, you know, through that, you know, those people, I would say, have become friends and family to me. Okay, great. Kathy, how about you? Do you have any history in your own family or circle of friends? I do, actually. I have um, a grandmother who is still alive. She just turned 92, who has dementia. I had a grandfather who passed away from dementia, and I myself suffer from memory loss due to traumatic brain injury. So, when Tammy says she doesn't know anybody in her wide circle of friends and family, she's actually sitting next to her best friend who's got it herself. <laughs> well, apparently she forgot. <laughs> so, That's right. <laughs> it happens. It happens to all of us, or or maybe that's just that denial thing we hear so much about too. You know, <clears throat> you just don't know. Um, in- interesting. Um, I'd like to talk to you about how did you guys come up with using the idea of improv? I, I love this concept. And Kathy, I'm going to throw this out to you first. Well, actually, I'm going to lob that back to Tammy because <laughs> she's the one that has a great answer to this question. Okay. Sure, sure. Don't you love how we're just going to lob this back and forth? We're just going to play tennis the whole entire time while we do this. That's perfect. Um, <laughs> what what happened is a few years ago, um, probably about three, almost four years ago now, my son uh, started to take improv classes. And my my intention for that was here I had this young young guy that was really smart with humor, but maybe knew a little bit too much for his age, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to figure out how could I rein that in. And so I decided to, um, a friend introduced us to someone and we started, um, he started taking improv classes. And as I was sitting in the improv classes, just watching him and his classmates, I started to see how these rules could really help us kind of look at communicating with a person with dementia in a very new perspective that is a really easy way for people to, to grasp onto these concepts. So really it became, started with him going into improv classes and soon after I started taking improv and I've been taking it for almost two years now. And I, every day that I take a class, um, I'm always saying, oh my gosh, here's this other way that we can really help people to understand uh, dementia and communicating with a person with dementia. Well, that's wonderful. <clears throat> it's amazing how we can connect on so many things that are using so many methods that are around us on a day-to-day basis, but we kind of fall back on old patterns and you're kind of breaking through walls with that. So I I love that, love that concept. Um, Thank you. You know, Kathy, when, when Tammy started this, what did, what did you think originally? Uh, When she brought it to my attention and said, I have this great idea. It was like, it was like a light bulb went off over both of our heads. It was like, yeah, absolutely. This makes perfect sense. And as she, I'm under the tutelage of Tammy (laughs) with my improv lessons. And I would say she's a great teacher, by the way, Um, with learning the rules of improv myself, watching her and and my son taking improv as well. 
um, the application is amazing. It's, it's simplistic. Um, it's easy to remember. It's easy to apply. And it's amazing how it really um, it rejuvenates a, it's a connection for people. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just puts in this very supportive way of speaking and understanding each other that I don't know of any other dementia communication program that has that. Okay, wonderful. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I was going to ask, um, and, and I'll go back to Tammy, what differentiates your workshops from others? Can you give us more specifics? Are there a lot of improv workshops around the country that, that deal with dementia? Or um, are you comparing yourself just to improv in general? That, that's a great question. I never really actually thought about it that, that way. There really aren't. Um, I know that there's one other person that is using um, improv a little bit um, in training. Um, but one of the things that we do is we we really kind of come at this from a, a little bit of a different angle. And I'm actually going to lob this back to Kathy in just a moment because we, we take this concept of improv. So we, we work with people and we talk about improv, but we also feel that there's a, a certain foundation that needs to be shared before we get into that improv piece and it's empathy. And what we have figured out over the past two years is that the, the four pillars of empathy and the four rules that we utilize in this program, it's so hard to really kind of say this is the foundational piece that where this is because they intermesh and interweave so incredibly well. So I think what we do is, is we, we teach people about empathy because when we get to one of the rules in improv, it's so important for us to, to be in agreement with someone. And there's many ways we can be in agreement with a person. And I think by, by utilizing those, those pillars of empathy, we're, we're able to get there and get there much easier by, by understanding these concepts. What would you say, Kathy? I would absolutely agree. I think that they intertwine so well, these four rules of improv and the four pillars, that I can't tell them apart sometimes. <laughs> and I can't understand one anymore without applying another. So they don't exist for me anymore as a separate entity. They are in one and I think that that's what differentiates our coursework from everybody else's is that we utilize this concept of empathy. Um, we challenge people to think about things from a new perspective. We ask people to practice staying out of judgment. Um, we look at the concept of trying to understand somebody through body language and then communicating understanding. And those four pillars really tie in so well with the rules as we apply them through improv. And then having the participants get up and practice this, I think is what really hits the nail on the head and, and drives the concepts home. Yeah, you know, and if, if you don't mind me interjecting real quickly, I think the other thing that, you know, we, we feel that helps kind of set us apart a little bit as well has to do with the concept of fun and the concept of it being a safe space. So. We feel that when training is fun, it sticks, it stays with you. So there's fun. We're constantly doing things with the group. We're constantly doing some sort of activity with the group. And because of that fun, I think people go out and say, okay, I can remember these rules. I can remember these concepts. The other thing is that we feel very strongly that this is when you step into that door to, do, to be in our workshop. And we may bring you up front to go to understand the concepts, work through the concepts. It is a safe place. We will not judge you. We will not shame you. None of that. That it's a place where we can work on this together because it is a new concept. It is something that we're asking you to do slightly differently than what you've learned before. But we always talk about being able to tap out to either Kathy or myself that we can guide you through those concepts. We never want you to feel ashamed or judged because when you go back to that facility or you go back to your, your loved one, then you're not going to want to use those tools if you're not in a safe, safe place to be able to, to learn those, those concepts. Right. Well, right. I, I like that. Can you guys go over, um, again, just a little slower, you know, what your pillars are again? So the pillars of empathy are, uh, perspective taking, mm -hmm. staying out of judgment, mm -hmm. 
recognizing emotion. Thank you. And then communicating that you understand that emotion. Okay. So those are the pillars of empathy. And that's typically what we teach first. And we, we do all sorts of, one of the things that we really like to do, actually, we love doing this is we love helping people to see, to take on a new perspective. So whether it's, you know, through some uh, dementia challenges that we have through blogs, that type of thing. And I think that's what, where we lay that foundation with the the pillars of empathy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and like you said, those two, uh, they just go so hand in hand, that empathy and the improv and um, the importance of fun, I think is critical. (laughs) You know, so many people think, you know, this is serious stuff. Um, You can't have fun. And, right. and yet fun is what everyone is missing in their lives. Yeah. And, and it's, oh my goodness. you know, the first thing that everybody says that they want. So, you know, to, to get them back in that spot that, you know, life is really just a comedy of errors, you know, if, if we're honest about it. Yeah. And if we can learn from our failures and not look at them as failures and not, you know, judge them negatively, but as a mode of progress. And I think that that's a big mistake we make in society at large is um, making people feel bad for trying something new, trying to improve. And uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, that's very true. That's one of the things that um, we felt very strongly about when we started putting this program together was two things. We wanted to make sure people had tools that they could utilize right away. Tammy and I had been to enough um, conferences, workshops, courses, classes, webinars, you name it, where We've listened, sat, taken notes, walked away, and thought, now I don't know what I can use to apply. I I really don't have anything I can put in place right away. Mm -hmm. So we felt that was very important was that the concepts were easy enough and and able to access immediately so you could walk out of the room and start applying them right away. We've actually had people leave the workshop in a nursing home that it was being presented in use it in the bathroom with a resident they ran into and come back in and tell us, Oh my God, this worked so awesome. I just used it. So that's, that's part of our, that's one of our goals is to make sure people can just glob onto this and start um, applying it right away. Otherwise it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not useful to the caregiver or, or the caretaker. Um, The other thing we feel really strongly about, like you said, is, when it's a supportive environment, mm-hmm. our biggest goal is to make sure everybody walks out of there with a sense of confidence mm-hmm. that they can do this. And so in that supportive environment where we let the participant tap out or turn to us for help or we whisper in their ear and kind of coach them along without any shame, then they walk away always getting a high five. They're always getting, you know, um, clapping from the audience, which just really boosts their confidence. And then it's going to encourage them to use it the minute they mm-hmm. walk out the door. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. I, uh, I totally agree with that. And I think that the concept of keeping it simple, you know, when it's complicated, it just falls apart, especially when people are in crisis or, you know, schedules and routines are changing all the time. It's um, it's difficult to, to keep things in step and in order. And then, it's kind of like a diet, then they give up, you know, and yeah. <laughs> it's just too, it's, yeah. it's too strict, you know, so it's got to be a little bit more, more fluid and allow for real life to happen. Um, so uh, that's wonderful, wonderful news to hear. Um, one of the things you talk about is your, your work in Blue Island, Illinois, kind of shaped your goals for Dementia Raw. Um, Kathy, can you give us a little background, or are you going to flip it over to Tammy on me again? No, <laughs> no I'll take a little bit, but, but we're, we're attached at the hip as well. So unfortunately, what you hear from me, we'll, we'll lob back and forth. Yeah, we started in Blue Island, and we um, took on the city at large mm-hmm. and trained all of the paramedics, fire, police, and the building department. We had 100% compliance. It was wonderful. They really helped us to shape what our training became. And I think the two big important things that we learned in Blue Island with this population that we were training is, number one, the information has to be applicable and accessible to anybody, regardless of how much information they have on the disease process. Because we learned rather quickly that first responders, fire, police, medic, they do not have any formal training on dementia or dementia care. Mm -hmm. They don't receive that. That's not part of their regimen. 
And so we needed to make the training something they could digest rather easily. So we realized that they were not special in that, that there are caregivers all over, that this is their first time doing this, that they've never read a book, cracked open a, a magazine or anything on any of the ideas or concepts on this, and they're taking it on head on. So our training needs to be able to meet them right where they are. The other thing we found with our first responders is because their job is such that they're not given time to run back to the police station or call back to dispatch and get a history or a background on perhaps someone they find on the street or uh, a home a home check that they have to go do. The tools have to be easy and remembered and in their back pocket right away. So just like a caregiver, when you said it, when things get too complicated, all the steps start to fall away. And like a diet, we just throw up our hands and say, forget it, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. But when the steps are easy, there's four rules of improv, four rules of empathy, they mesh together and bam, we help you really just, it, it all intertwines into one and it's very accessible. So we felt that learning that from that population in the city really helped shape what our training is now. Okay. Can you tell our audience what the four um, rules of improv are? I'd be happy to do that. Absolutely. So we we start off when we talk about something that's called relinquish your agenda. And what that really means is that we all have some sort of an agenda. And um, when you see two people on stage doing improv, if one of them has an agenda, most likely what's going to happen is that scene's going to fall apart. And when we, we talk to caregivers about this concept of relinquishing your agenda, we're really looking at, at how does your agenda that you have for the day, maybe it's a list of tasks or maybe it's you wanting to be right or, or give advice. Um, there's many agendas out there. How is that agenda that's running through your head affecting the way that you're communicating and spending time with that person with dementia? Is it getting in the way? Are you not able to build a bridge to communicate or are you building a wall in between the two of you? So that's, that's our first rule. So our second rule is something that we call make your partner look good. And this is really kind of the golden rule of improv. We always think that when we see two people on the stage doing improv, we always think that the goal of improv is to drop that funny line where everybody's bending over, peeing their pants laughing, right? So mm-hmm. that's actually not the goal of it. The goal is really that I am making my partner look good. So we we talk about the person with dementia being that partner on stage with you, that wherever they're at, that you have to figure out how to make them look good. And that that goes further. And we'll talk about that at some point in time. And then, of course, um, anybody that's ever taken an improv class learns these two words. And we always say, what are the two words that you should remember? If you remember nothing about us (laughs) doing a class, if that's if you come to a four hour workshop or a one hour presentation, if you only take away two words, these are the two words you need to take take away. And that is the concept of yes and. So yes means simply to be in agreement and and means to to add something to it, really simply. And then our fourth fourth rule is called the gifts. And we're always consistently looking at what gifts that person with dementia is giving us. Are they giving a gift in, in conversation that we can utilize? Are they giving a gift in their body language? What is that gift that they're giving us? Are they giving a gift of an emotion? that we're able to utilize in in moving that communication piece forward. So simply that's what the four rules are. Okay. Well, sounds good. Um, You you mentioned talking about making your partner look good. Can you give like a couple of examples with that? Because I think most of us that watch improv, we don't go that deep. You know, we're not analyzing those pieces. (laughs) We're, We're just make me laugh, you know. And um, so can you can you give us a couple of examples or could you play something up between the two of you right now and then tell us what you did and why you did it? Sure, sure, sure. So we're going to do something that has nothing to do with dementia at the moment. And I'm going to make a statement to Kathy and she's going to respond to this 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 concept to what I say to her. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Braxton, thank you so much for getting me in your paleontology class. I love, love, love this class. I am so glad you joined our class. And I'm hoping that you read my book, Short Arms, Quick Death. 
about T-Rex. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. My gosh. So I'm so glad you joined the class. And what I would love for you to do is sit in the front row on our first day because I'm going to bring in a fossil of a T-Rex. And I want to make sure you get a close-up view of that. Thank you so much for joining. Awesome. Okay. So you probably want to know what the gifts are in, in that, that whole scene that we did there. So we could, if I wanted to, we could have started out the scene and I could have said, hey, Kathy. Hey. And now we've got this, this, um, this nice little um, dead improv, air. dead air improv scene of, hey, ho, hi, you know, nothing's <laughs> happening. Refund. <laughs> Refund. I want my $25 back now, right? My wasted hour of watching improv, I want that back. Right. So what, what, what it talks about when doing an improv scene, the things that I gave Kathy, I gave her a whole bunch of gifts. I gave her a lot of stuff to work with. I called her doctor. I said, thank you for, or for getting me. Oh, I called you professor, didn't I? You called me Dr. Braxton. I, got, I called her Dr. Braxton. Then I went a little bit further and at, said, thank you for getting me into your paleontology class. So I gave her all these little things, these little clues along the way of things that she could use to lob back to me. So she knows she's a professor. She's, you know, a, a professor of dinosaurs and what she can do with that. So then she gave me back some, some other, other things that I was able to use. So one of the ways that I made my partner look good, there's a couple things I did there. Um, I didn't deny what she was saying to me. I did not deny the role she gave me. I went right along with it, which is where that yes and piece comes in. When you yes and someone, you are being in agreement with their reality at that moment and adding something to it, which does nothing but always make your partner look good every single time. The other thing I did to make my partner look good is I said thank you, which is something we touched on quite a bit in our class, is one of the ways we can make our partners and that may be the person who has dementia. One of the ways we can make them look good is to stop using the phrase, I'm sorry, and start using the phrase, thank you. Because when we say, I'm sorry, we put all the heavy lifting on the partner in that scene to try to rectify a conversation or make us feel better about their bad day or their bad moment. But that's not their job. And if we're the caregivers, if we're the care partners, our job is to make them look good. And so we can do that by saying thank you and being specifically grateful that they've chosen us to share a moment of their life or share a reminiscing or a memory. So we talk about changing the verbiage up from I'm sorry to thank you as one of, a, one of the great ways to make your partner look good. And that goes along too with your coworkers. When you can create an environment in a workplace where you can be specifically grateful to your coworkers when they help you out, you're constantly making them look good and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And when we're apologizing for having a bad day or we're apologizing because Mr. Johnson and I just aren't getting along today, or we stay in a situation way too long and create some escalation, we are not making anybody look good in that. We're not making ourselves look good. We're not making Mr. Johnson look good because we're just upsetting him. And we're not letting any care partner step in and kind of tap into the situation. That's the language we use. And if we can do that, we keep people out of shame, out of judgment, and we make everybody on the scene look good. So this sounds like something that would be great in a marriage, <laughs> working with your kids. I mean, in, in all kinds of situations to uh, to de-escalate. Um, it's too yeah, we talk about tapping out. I mean, we talk about it in a way where people can relate because we say you've all probably taken an adult time out and locked yourself in the bathroom from your kids. Mm -hmm. No one judges you for that. If you call your girlfriend up and say, I had to just run out of the house and go for a walk. Typically, the people that support you the most are the ones that go, yeah, I had to do that last week. I'm right there with you. There's no judgment involved in needing to tap out of a situation. And we think that should be the same for a work in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And Kathy does yeah. use it with her husband. I do. <laughs> yes. Well, it's, uh, yeah, I can see where it could de-escalate a lot of things and just give people kind of that, that time to breathe. And um and not take things quite as seriously, ability to reframe a little bit and, and stuff. So yeah. that, that's wonderful. Um, 
You also explained in there kind of the the yes concept and um, in putting this culture in the workplace. Um, how would you how would you see that play out in the workplace? Let's say that's not just a memory um, care unit, but just um, you know maybe you're at uh, you know Best Buy or something or you know some Fortune 500 company. How how would you see um, this uh, kind of raw training play out? You know, I, I think um, I think all those four rules, those rules of improv, are really great ways to create a different culture within within your workplace. Whether it's an assisted living, a nursing home, you know, a Fortune 500 company. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with my um, improv teacher Antoine McKay, and and helping some some companies really kind of look at at things in a different way. I think sometimes we need a break. We need to to come back with a fresh new attitude. And I think if we can do this from the top down, um, you know, if we're working in a nursing home where we're talking about the administrator down um, and having this and creating this new way of thinking and being. So can we be in agreement and add something to it? You know, hey, that's a great idea. I'm thinking that if we add X, Y, and Z to it, it'd be even better. So, you know, when we can do that, we can start really developing some creative ideas and some creative things in companies. I I think when we are looking at making our partners look good, when we start to do that, we start to create um, a different way of thinking, a different way of being. And I think especially when we look at nursing homes and assisted livings, memory cares, when we have our administrators and our directors of nursing model the fact that it's okay to tap out of a situation, there's no shame and there's no judgment in it, then it really empowers the rest of the staff to be okay with the fact that, you know what, and, and I, you know, I draw on my experience. I work in a, a memory care community, and I had a gentleman that he didn't like me. We don't know why. I, I don't know if I look like his ex-wife. I don't know what it was. But every time he saw me, you know, it, I set him off. So we realized very quickly that I needed to be tapped out of the situation, and there was other caregivers that he worked really well with. So they were tapped into the situation. But I think sometimes we feel that there's shame or judgment when we're not able to handle every single resident. And I think we have to change that that thinking. I think, in, and I think the only way that we're able to do that is to really show that from the top down that, you know, I, there are times when I'm not as good as someone else is. So the, it really then turns around and giving um, pride and confidence to everyone that's working in that, that community. Yeah, and and again, I think you would really need that top-down um, mentality. Otherwise, people might think that you're just being sarcastic or whatever, and it could escalate things if if there really isn't a true outline of how to use how to use this and why you're using it and understanding yeah, that, yeah. Um, which could be detrimental. Um, you know, because it would just add one more layer of dysfunction to a dysfunctional environment to begin with. So I, I like that idea. I think, uh, I think it makes a lot, a lot of sense, um, to use, to use humor and, um, and increase empathy. I think that's almost a, a lost art. You know, people don't even understand what it is anymore because we've gotten so fast paced, um, in, in the way we live life and, um, you know, getting people back down to kind of that, that core essence is really, a nice, nice place to be. Um, uh, Kathy, can you tell us about um, being a certified dementia communication specialist and, and the training and why that is important? Is that what they walk out of after they've been to the Dementia Raw, or is that a whole nother program? That is a different program. The Dementia Raw is the foundational program. It's the basic uh, education we encourage prior to becoming a CDCS. Um, and the CDCS program to become a certified dementia communication specialist is a program we developed because just as Tammy said, in any organization to model the behavior of um, really encouraging empathy and a supportive environment, it's really important to sometimes have a specific person in a facility or a few people in a facility identified 
as the yes person. And the reason we say it that way is the con- we take that off of the concept of yes and. We feel that there's a lot of anding going on in facility um, where we see a resident struggling or having an unmet need and we physically move them around in the facility to try to get them to forget what their need is. But what we miss is the yes part. We don't do a very good job of acknowledging where they are and being in that kind of icky soup with them in the moment. Mm -hmm. Because yesing a situation, acknowledging what the reality is, can be pretty scary. So we tend to avoid it. But when we don't acknowledge where someone is, their need goes unmet and they keep coming back. So it doesn't matter if we take someone and we move them from the elevator and take them to the coffee social or the ice cream parlor, or let's go over here and play bingo. We often see residents being removed physically to another place, but then leaving that activity or that food and coming back out because that need has not been met. And we realize that in facilities, there are so many tasks that have to be done on a daily basis that a lot of times the yes job is something that gets brushed under the rug as not being important. So we feel that to create this yes and culture and making all of our partners look good, there needs to be at least one, if not multiple people that are designated as yes people, where their job is to acknowledge where residents are and sit with them in that stew and meet whatever emotional need they have. Okay. So let me ask you this, because uh, to me that sounds um, kind of similar with Naomi Files' validation system, where she talks about you need to acknowledge, you know, where they're at. Would you would you consider that similar, or or am I missing the point here? That's a good question. Um, You know, I think there's some similarities. Um, You know, I only know some basic points to Naomi Files uh, validation therapy. Um, You know, I think the yes part, you know, we're we're looking at many different ways in in being in agreement with someone. Um, But but it we you know, it it is true. We often see that someone is just anding someone and and forgetting that yes part. Um, You know, I think there's some, you know, we're affirming, we're, we're definitely affirming where someone's at. We're being in agreement to where they might be emotionally, um, where being in agreement, where they might be physically, we might just be in agreement with them um, as we're trying to figure out what is going on with them. So I, I think there are probably some similarities to to being in agreement with, with a person or validating where they're at. I think what differentiates us is that in our course, we encourage that that validation, that agreement piece is where the empathy comes. And it's not sympathy. It's not feeling sorry for somebody and telling them that we feel sorry for them, but it's actually tapping into our own empathic feelings and remembering that there's nothing that a person with dementia feels that we haven't felt ourselves. And so it's important to go there emotionally in our heads and then with our hearts. So if someone is saying, this is not my home, I want to go home, what we encourage in our training is that we validate that response with, yeah, I can understand that you don't feel like you're at home. And then we are in agreement with them by using our own verbiage and saying, I've been in the same situation. I was stuck last week somewhere. I desperately wanted to get home. I couldn't wait to shake off those heels and put on some comfy slippers. Man, I so get it when you're just uncomfortable and not where you want to be. So that's where the empathy piece that we bring in really um, attaches to the yes and being in agreement part that I think differentiates us because we tell caregivers, we tell the participants, go there emotionally yourself. Don't look at a person with dementia as having feelings that are so foreign that we can't understand them. Mm -hmm. These, their feelings and what they're experiencing is exactly something we've had in our lives. We've all felt lost. We've all felt confused. We've all felt um, like we wanted to go home. So we need to be able to go there in our minds and then share that experience with someone. Which makes a ton of sense. Um, 
Makes a ton of sense. I, I think one of the, um, you know, things that, that I found in my journey with my own mom over 30 years was everybody looks at dementia and a person with dementia as being different instead of looking at similarities. And there's so many similarities, yeah. you know, and when we look at those differences, it pushes us away. But when we look at our similarities, all of a sudden we've got these common bonds and, you know, it just lessens pressure and fear and and all that stuff just kind of melts. And, uh, yes, and yes, I, yes. I, I think that that's a, a huge, huge factor that that society um, really, really needs right now. Um, there's, you know, as a whole. And, um, I, you know, you look at just the comment of not feeling at home and how many people in our country right now don't feel like this is home anymore, just with yeah. what's going on politically. Ooh. There's so much fear yeah. and so much angst. And for a person with dementia to watch the news who still can comprehend some things, that's extremely oh. scary. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. on, on top of all just the regular things that come with dementia, now we've added a whole nother, a whole nother flavor with that and getting people to understand yeah. um, how simple yet how complicated dementia is, but all of life is. And once we mm -hmm. realize that, you know, there is no perfect, you know, it really doesn't exist. So why are we chasing it? And let's have some fun and let's do some improv right. and let's... Uh, Let's troubleshoot this thing the best we can. And, um, and, and, you know, one of the fundamentals, as I'm sure you teach, is, you know, a, a smile, you know, can just melt a ton of things away um, and increase comfort. So if we can get people to laugh and feel more relaxed, um, that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a huge, that's a huge, huge piece of this nonverbal communication, which is most of our communication. And and then right. and then we wonder, well, you know, why are we so surprised? Or, you know, we all pretty much know, but don't accept the fact that, you know, we many times are the triggers for them. So if we're tense and we're upset, and they're mirroring it back to us, but then we we identify it when they when they give it back to us, and then they're the problem when we really walked in with it. Right. Right. Um, yep. And we label it a behavior. Yeah. Yeah, because it's so much easier point, yeah. pointing the finger, you know, yeah. the, the other direction. So I think, you know, I, I love this idea of dementia raw I, I, because I think life is unscripted. I think it is unconventional, and I don't think we should have to apologize for living life. Um, we're all different. Nobody should um, have to feel feel sorry or feel shamed or feel embarrassed, Um it's life, and, and, you know, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to have things in our life that we don't want at times, but that doesn't make us bad people. You know, that doesn't make us um, somebody someone should be afraid of. It just means right. I, got, right. I got another thing to work through, and, and that's kind of the process of life is, you know, from the time we're born, we're working through different stages of life. And, right. uh, and I, I don't know... Um, you know how how you two feel, but uh, you know I look at I look at dementia and Alzheimer's truly as a gift to teach us new ways, and I, I love connecting with people like you guys who are finding new ways. I mean, to me, that's just so powerful; it's beyond words um, to connect with um, people trying to make change and trying to help others and, and lift them up. So, thank you so much, um, both of you, for the work that you're doing. I. I just love it. How do um, is this uh, is this something you take around the country, or um, you know, how do people get involved with what you're doing? Yes, absolutely. So, um, first of all, I just want to say, um, and I see it in Kathy's face. We were like nodding our heads like crazy, in agreement to everything that you were saying because. Um, you know, we're, we're all about changing this perspective oh, and don't, don't and be yes and an and in me. Don't be yes and an and in me. I got this down now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we're, we're so much in agreement with what you said. I mean, it's, um, we, it, we feel that it's a breath of fresh air to hear, hear the comments that you're saying. So I, I just, uh, yes, I am. Yes. Anding you at the moment. So I'm glad you picked up on that. Good job. <laughs> You would get a gold star in class. Oh, so. <laughs> that makes me feel really good. <laughs> but um, just in, re in regard to the question that you asked, um, people can go to our website, which is DementiaRaw.com, 
and they'll find some information about where we're going to be next. Um, we have been lucky that uh, we are going to be at three of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America, their concepts in care this year. We'll be at the New York um, event in May, the Chicago event in October, and then Indianapolis later in the fall. Um, additionally, we're actually going to be up in your neck of the woods next week for Leading Age Minnesota. Oh, cool. um, we're pre presenting on the 8th there, and uh, uh, we have, oh, we're in Colorado later this year as yes, well. We so we, we go anywhere anybody wants us to go. Uh, we have the workshop. Um, it's a four-hour workshop. But then our certification, uh, we're doing this certification in person quarterly, but you can also do the certification online, and we have uh, classes happening constantly right. for that as well. Okay. Well, I would um, I would love to catch up with you guys if you have any breathing time when you're in town and uh, maybe go have dinner or something. I'm not going to be able to make the conference because of my schedule, but I might be able to uh, scoot up with you in the evening or something. Um, my daughter's going to be there, so I'll, I'll definitely have her go to your session if I if I can, you know, if I have any control over my kid. But we'll see. <laughs> right. Just I, yes, Ander. That's I, all you need to do. I know. I think <laughs> I think she would love something like this. Absolutely love something like this. And she's a an activities director. Um, or oh, an, nice. Yeah, and so it would be it would be a wonderful addition to to her, uh, her skill set. So that would be, that would be great. So we'll have to talk offline and, and see if there's a way to, to hook up. Um, I also have uh, a lot of colleagues out in Colorado that I want to make sure know that you're coming their way. Um, because I think they would really be interested. And you said you're going to be with the, um, Alzheimer's foundation, was it? Yes. The Alzheimer's foundation of America, okay. this is their 15 year anniversary. Cool. And they're doing a they're doing concepts and care like all across the United States, and we'll be at three of their events this year. Oh, that's wonderful! Well, you have to tell Josie hi if you see her. She's them. awesome. We will. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Well, I like I said, I am so appreciative of you guys taking the time to be with us and our audience. You can email uh, these ladies at Silver Dawn Info. info. Uh, that's silverdawninfo at gmail.com or go to their website, dementiaraw.com. They're also on Twitter as Dementia Raw and Instagram as Dementia Raw and Facebook. Aren't they consistent? So look at that. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying. Yep. We're trying. <laughs> and and I, always, I always like to just double check. Is it okay to give out a phone number or would you prefer that? Absolutely. Okay. And the phone number I have for you is 219 Six four nine seventeen thirty two. That's uh, two one nine six four nine one seven three two. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for being with us. Is there any any last comment that you have, Kathy? You know, I just want to agree with you about Alzheimer's and dementia being a gift. We talk about that as well because we say that you know, in the neurotypical world, if you say something to someone. Um, and you, you're talking about somebody behind their back and they overhear you, you've pretty much ruined that relationship for the uh, eternity. But if you screw up with somebody with dementia, they have this wonderful ability of loving that if your intention was good, they'll give you a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. Whereas our neighbors and our mother-in-laws and all yeah, those... Our intention wrote, wasn't good with them, so... No, but <laughs> your intention is good and you try your best and you screw up, which we all will, someone who has dementia will remember the feeling much longer than they'll remember the actual words, which always gives us an opportunity to create more connection later mm -hmm. down the road. It's, so, it's such a forgiving disease in some ways, mm -hmm. and that is a wonderful gift to give somebody. Well, that's very true because um, they don't look, like you said, situational and then turn the spigot off. They just live moment to moment, <laughs> and that's what they're teaching yeah, us. Right to do. And yeah, right. I know with my mom, I found that um, as the disease progressed, <clears throat> she taught me that there were many levels of unconditional love. And in the, wow. the deepening of the connection, um, as the skill set went, um, that unconditional mm -hmm. love, you know, really increased. And it's, mm -hmm. and you know, when you talk about that, you know, people always shake their head and go, yeah, 
I see what you mean. These these little teeny things that didn't matter before or I didn't even see before, didn't even recognize, really mean everything compared to what yeah. I thought did matter. How about you, Tammy? Yeah. Any any last comments? You know, I um I don't know that I do. I think Kathy has, has um summed everything up for us. I um I know that I um since I took improv I live my life in a yes and world and uh, what it's done for me and the way that I can communicate with my 17 year old son, you know, my 21 year old daughter, you know, it's, um, it's helped us tremendously. And, and I, I see the power that it has and, and um, we're so thankful to be able to, to share this with other people. Well, great. Thank you, ladies. Have a, have a brilliant week and um, keep up the wonderful work. Really appreciate you spending time Thank with you. us today. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you that are new to Alive and Social Network, you might want to check out Rachel Perrin, who is a culinary director for Kowalski's Market. Uh, her and her producer, Adam Lee, um, have a lot of people uh, in studio that talk about um, seasonal flavors and favorite foods and uh, different nutritional topics and kind of everything yummy for your tummy. Their show is called What's for Dinner Tonight?, and their podcasts only average 10 to 15 minutes per episode, but they're perfect when you're busy and hungry and trying to figure out what's for dinner. You can also go to Kowalskis.com. That's K-O-W-A-L-S-K-I-S um, for complete menu suggestions. Uh, what else do I want to tell you? Um, on Alzheimer Speaks, all of our shows are archived, so you can go back for years and listen to Tons of different shows. We have had uh, recently on a man talking about his personal triumph, struggles, and passions in living with dementia. We have had a company on talking about how they have proven whole person senior care works. Uh, we've had a, a couple of gals on who um, are doing research on um, horses and horse therapy and the powerful lessons of living in and engagement through animals. We've had uh, people talking about travel and making your dreams come true. In fact, we're going to be um, going on a cruise that we haven't even titled yet, November uh, 11th, um, which will be a Caribbean cruise um, that will be dementia and caregiver specific. So if you're interested in that, please reach out to me. I'll be getting more information as that rolls in. I will be in um, Sherville, Indiana on February 13th. And Mokina, Illinois, on the 15th, 14th, and then um, Eloquin, Illinois, on the 15th, doing premieres of um, His Neighbor Phil. So we'd love to see you there. Also on the website, alzheimerspeaks.com, you can uh, listen to the latest dementia chats where people living with dementia give us their thoughts on advocacy, positions, roles, duties, um, and terms, uh, and how to really put in place a succession plan for smooth transition as the disease progresses. They have just brilliant insights. Um, also on our blog, you'll see a couple of um, new videos uh, that were done by 60 and Me uh, over in Sweden, and they interviewed me on talking about nostalgia and how that can kind of amplify dementia treatment. We also have one for support groups, and we've got, um, I think, three others coming out as well. So have a blessed week, and we will talk with you all soon. Bye now. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.